Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the next episode of the Screen Time Podcast. I'm Connor. And I'm Luke. And today, we are going to be talking about the Cornetto Trilogy. Yes, indeed. Which consists of movies that aren't actually connected in any way, except they're the same team working on them. And a Cornetto ice cream cone appears in all three of the movies. Yes. Would you like to tell us what movies these are? (sighs) I would love to. (laughs) First movie we have is Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. Um, The next movie is Hot Fuzz. And the final movie in the trilogy is The World's End. Not to be confused with At World's End, which is the third Pirates movie. Kept messing that up. And you want to start us off with Shaun of the Dead? Well, I just want to say that I think it's a great movie. Do you agree? Uh, yes. <laughs> I absolutely agree. It's very fun. For the first half. For the first half. And then it gets pretty wild in the second half. Also, we should probably clarify that we will be spoiling all three all of, these of these movies. Yeah. It, it does definitely get darker in the second half, which I, I thought was really cool. And there's one point when they're in like a... I don't even know what it would be called. Almost like an underground bunker, but... Oh, yeah. Whatever that is. And they're just... The characters that are still alive are just talking about like how to like end themselves so they don't have to do this anymore. Yeah. Which I totally thought was going to happen. <laughs> but no. It, yeah. It ended pretty well. You know, amidst all the comedy that happens in the first half, which is quite funny too. Yeah. You know, it kind of gets balanced out with this darker tone in the second half. Lots of yelling, lots of screaming. Lots of swearing. Bit of gore. A bit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't get queasy or anything. But there was one scene where one of the characters gets literally torn ripped, to pieces. Yeah, ripped out of a window and devoured in front of our eyes, and it was you could see him pass out before he had died from just all the pain that, you know, being torn apart. Oh, yeah, that was... I think, we'll, I think we'll continue to talk about characters in just a second. But as gross as that was, it did feel pretty good to watch that guy die. Yeah, he He sucked. was the worst. So this is the first, you know, of these movies. And one of the big connecting things is that the lead stars are Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. Yeah. How did you feel about them in this movie? Well, it was really interesting because their character dynamic with each other felt like an actual pair of buddies yeah which is because the characters that they play Sean and Ed their relationship is based on Simon Pegg and Nick Frost's relationship when they were actually flatmates yeah so that was pretty fun and yeah. they they play friends really well yeah and and we'll talk about this in the other movies but i think they have a great relationship with each other in all three of these movies even though they look different yeah yeah, I just really enjoy watching those two act together. I think the movie looks really good. I think it's something that gets better as the movies go on, but uh. with the editing, <laughs> with the editing and and stylistic choices, yeah. I think I think these movies just look so good. I think there's a number of of scenes as well. The character of Sean runs into one character three times in the movie. And they have a very similar encounter each time, which starts with them saying the exact same thing to each other, and then whatever unfolds after that, mm-hmm. uh, including one of my favorite scenes in the movie where Sean and his entourage of people is walking down an alley, 
and this other character is walking the other way down the alley and they talk to each other and then they cross paths on screen and their entourage is just the exact same type of people <laughs> yeah. and they walk past the screen at the same time yeah and they all say hi to what's basically the other version of themselves <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah and that's what i like about edgar wright's movies is that you know it, they're funny mm-hmm. for sure but there's also a lot of humor that's like subtle and like it's not just like them telling you a joke but a lot of visual humor that i think works really well especially yeah. in these movies in this movie yeah, and lots of clever editing that is sometimes humorous. Like the scene near the beginning of the movie when the zombie apocalypse is first starting and you see the, the TV screen and he keeps switching the channels. That's an excellent bit. Yeah, that's good. I think the whole setup at the beginning of the zombie apocalypse was really cool. How it's all happening in the background of scenes where it's just Sean and Ed doing random things or talking about just everyday life. Yeah. But all this, but we're not really focusing on what they're talking about. We're looking at the ambulance in the background of the scene and the people fainting and yeah, someone just grabbing a pigeon and munching <laughs> it and then magically disappearing. Yeah, yeah. When they leave the pub, yeah, and the the girl bites the guy's head off, and then there's a right zombie. as they turn around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right as they move away, and then there's the zombie in the alley that they're making fun of because I think he's drunk. Oh yeah, yeah, and trying to sing a song with them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's pretty good. I really like the way the zombies move and look, and I can't say it's particularly original. I mean, yeah. they, they look like a bunch of other zombies and other projects. Yeah. But I like that these ones don't run or or try to talk. Um, that they're just kind of the hands out front, groaning. Yeah. Discolored skin, vacant eyes type of thing. I think it's a good look, and it. It makes them scary enough that it's you know like we need to get away from these things mm-hmm. because they're dangerous without being like so gross that they're like the focal point and you kind of forget what's happening aside from them. Yeah, that's true. And actually, Simon Pegg, I think it was an interview. He was asked why they don't run. I'm like, why why don't the zombies run? Why why aren't they more of a threat? He's and he, his response was, you know, death isn't an energy drink yeah yeah <laughs> i like that yeah that was good we can talk about kind of the supporting cast for a little bit here bill nye who appears in all three of these movies as a oh, supporting yeah. character of some kind i i enjoy him in all three of them this role is probably the most the most sentimental that doesn't feel like kind the right of <laughs> for one scene uh the most like integral to the plot i should say that feels yeah. better and i like that he plays you know the stepdad that that Simon Pegg has had for all these years, but he just doesn't like him. And such a cliche, like, oh, I don't like my stepdad. You know, you're not my real dad type of thing. But the way that they have the two of them interact, it's like, oh, yeah, I I don't know that I would like Bill Nye as my stepdad either. (laughs) But at the same point, and again, just a reminder that we are doing spoilers here. When he dies, Mm -hmm. uh, and he says, you know, I, I I just was being hard on you because I was, you know, trying to make you strong. I also fully believed that. Yeah. That there was, was like, care in that character for Simon Pegg's character. Mm-hmm. And as much as he was creepy and somewhat antagonistic, that there was that trying to be a father aspect to that character in a way that I think works 
better than I think it could have in lesser hands. Yeah. Well, that's the thing about this movie is lots of stuff, or any Edgar Wright movie, really. Yeah. I feel like he handles so much stuff better than a lot of other movies have. Absolutely. Well, something that I thought was pretty interesting was the characters of, and we'll come back around to Liz in a second, but Liz's friends, Diane and David, there's a dynamic there, which... I don't know, you can tell me, because it had been a while since I watched it, and when we rewatched it again, but this being your first time, were you able to pick up very quickly that, that David was in love with Liz, and Diane was just kind of there? From the first scene, I don't think so, because he wasn't doing anything except sitting there. Yeah. But I could tell that they weren't, like... It wasn't a two-sided relationship, really. Yeah. But I didn't read into that too much. But I feel like they said pretty early they made a joke about it. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, that's what's happening there, I guess, then. Yeah. What I, th- what I found interesting is that, you know, some characters will call Liz Liz. Some people call her Elizabeth. But he calls her Lizzie the whole movie. The way the way that he talks to her. And he's always like, oh, no, I'm, all, I'm not going anywhere without without Lizzie. And everything like that. It It becomes very clear that, you know, he does have a crush on her and... Uh-huh. And that that's an aspect that plays into the movie significantly for a large part of it, and especially when it comes to his dislike of of Sean. And they really lay it all out near the end of the movie, but there is a lot of setup for that before that, and I thought that was a very cool dynamic. Definitely. Another thing Edgar Wright does well is he does the, you know the characters well and everything, but another thing that he does well is taking comedic scenes that we've seen so many times before and doing kind of the same thing but for some reason it's just so much funnier when he does it i'll give you an example is the when they're like the what's the plan then scene that's an excellent scene so good we've seen it before where they're explaining a plan like oh something has to change they explain it again they explain it again but just something about this one it's so funny it's got to come down to like good cheeky editing and yeah. just like every, everything's happening with a smile on their face even though the threat of constant death is always looming over them yeah and he smiles and winks at the camera at the end of each of their plans yeah yeah <laughs> oh he sits down on the couch so good oh yeah and it's not just edgar wright that makes it good i just i think peg and frost are just really funny to watch together oh yeah Ugh. so good what also is some good editing on edgar wright's part and also editing and planning on his part is the long shot sequence love it and just all the the foreshadowing detail in that but so it happens and it starts about sean getting up and going about his day walking out the gate going to the shop coming back just normal things for the zombie apocalypse and then after he gets up also not noticing anything goes about his day but there's a kid in the first long shot that hits him with a ball and he's not there anymore. This other cars are broken and he's just walking around. Same long shot. Bodies but, lying on the ground. Yeah, but completely different environment. <laughs> yeah, I like... what I, One of the parts I liked the most about that sequence is when one of the zombies walks up to him in the second one and he thinks it's just a guy asking for spare change and he says, I don't have any mate and just keeps on walking without realizing <laughs> that anything's different. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Or when... uh the kid that kicks the ball at him and then sean's like ah what, what does he say 
He's like, oh, you're dead. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, there we go. Or when Pete, the, the oh, other flatmate. flatmate, is yelling at Nick Frost's character, Ed, for being messy <laughs> and everything, and then goes upstairs, and, and Ed says, oh, next time we see him in the morning, he's dead. Yep. <laughs> I'm like, so good. So it's you like, know what's going to happen. It's not subtle. But it, it, it feels a little clever, yeah. and that's pretty cool. Yeah. Definitely makes for a more enjoyable experience. Yeah. How do you feel about Liz, the girlfriend slash ex-girlfriend in this movie? She was... good, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I like her, too. She's fine. I, I think that... Uh, the movie opens with her kind of explaining why things need to change, and if they're not going to change, and she's going to break up with Sean's character. Mm-hmm. Um, and everything that she's talking about checks out, and it matches with the character that we see Sean being in the movie up until the zombie apocalypse. Mm-hmm. And I think that she's kind of justified for for her stance, and when they do end up breaking up, because he can't, he didn't book a fancy dinner and then suggested they go back to the same pub that they always go to it feels like it makes sense but it also feels like a relationship that's kind of real because when he shows up at their place after the zombies have started you know to get them somewhere safe it does make sense that there's enough history there that they would trust each other to go and try to work through this together yeah and I think that the chemistry between those two characters works really well on screen through the whole movie. Yeah. Well, the chemistry between all of the actors just is Perfectly perfect. appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go back to talking about comedy and, and violence here. I'm fine with and that. How, how the two go hand in hand in this movie. Let's go to the scene where Sean and Ed notice a girl in their yard. Yep. And they think she's drunk, right? As they think most of the zombies that they see are drunk before they realize what's happening. And they kind of are bugging her and telling her to go. And then she gets closer and it's very clearly a zombie and there's something weird, but they're just like, oh, she's just drunk and trying to just get at us. So they're like pushing her over until she falls and dies but then stands up again. And what a cool-looking realize... scene, too, where you <laughs> look through the hole in her gut at yeah. at Peg and Frost. Yeah. And that looks really good for 2004. Yeah. Yeah. That was sick. Which isn't the only time, you know, in the early 2000s that we've seen a shot like that in the Fantastic Four movie. That happened, too. <laughs> anyway. Oh, um... God. <laughs> Uh, and then they go to the shed and grab the tools later in that scene and just... I think oh. I think you're missing <laughs> a very exciting moment where they grab oh. all the all the <laughs> records, records and have to be selective about which ones they throw. That was so good. And, but, and they throw like 10 of them <laughs> and they don't do anything. Most of them miss. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh. so good. Again, comedy and violence work really well in this movie. 
What would you say is your favorite part about, or favorite thing about this movie? My favorite thing about this movie. Well, I don't. This isn't like a favorite scene or anything, or maybe not even my favorite thing. Which, sorry, that was the question. But <laughs> I'll just talk about something that I think I I really liked about this movie, and that the plot was not centered around trying to find a way of immunity or finding a cure to the zombie virus. It was just them trying to survive, survive, go to the pub. It was it was refreshing, you know. Which I don't know. I haven't seen as many zombie things as lots of other people but just most of them are not that great (laughs) yeah and that's that's the main that's the main reason why i haven't but yeah what about you i'm just a fan of the visuals man the way the movie's shot and and this clever editing and and cinematography and stuff oh another one of a scene that i just love is when they're in the backyard right near the pub and uh Simon Pegg says, "All right, I'm gonna climb up this children, <laughs> this children's slide, and and see how many there are." And he climbs up, and the camera doesn't follow him, so you kind of just he stands up, and you see up to his waist, and he climbs back down, and his face is just <laughs> he looks so upset. And they're like, "How many is there? Lots." <laughs> and he just he looks so upset because he thought this plan was going so well, and like, just the way it's shot is so funny, so good. And there's a lot of stuff, uh, like when we see Sean working at the Best Buy-esque store. Oh, yeah. Um, and he very loudly proclaims that he would never let his personal life interfere with his work life. And a hand comes in from off screen with the telephone says, it's Liz. <laughs> and he has to kind of grab the phone from this like hand that appeared out of nowhere. Yeah. And stuff like that happens a couple times where things just kind of appear in the side of the screen. From hands, we don't see the, <laughs> even the rest of the arm. Yeah, and it just it it's so fun to watch. I I don't know that any of this movie is like boring to look at. Oh no! As much not. as the tone of it changes from the beginning to the end, your your eyes are glued to the screen the whole time because it's a very visually interesting movie. It and is, and that's what I really appreciate about this and the others. Yeah, and and I can't believe I forgot about this until now, but. Going back to the backyards is when he's going, he's like, we got to go over the fences. I'm like, what, what are you talking about? He's like, what? Never heard of a shortcut before? And he goes to jump over the fence and the fence just falls <laughs> as soon as he puts his weight on it. <laughs> he falls to the ground. <laughs> uh, the best recurring joke in these movies by yeah. far. Oh, definitely. That was funny watching it because... I, I remember that scene happening in Hot Fuzz, but I forgot that it happened in Shaun of the Dead. <laughs> so then when it happened again, I was like, oh, this is hilarious. Yeah. This is good. good. You got anything else to say about Shaun of the Dead, or is it time for us to move on? I think we're good. All right. Then let's move on to the second movie, which is definitely our favorite, <laughs> Hot Fuzz. Yeah, well, yeah. So Tell me what you love about good. this movie. This movie is so outrageous at times and it, it takes its time getting to the outrageous stages Not that i like that the outrageous but it's, stages it's good just <laughs> stages yeah that's good I, I like that line but i actually i'm gonna go to my notes here okay what i love about this movie is that and some of these movies that he's made 
feel like parodies of oh, yeah. the genre that he's doing, but it feels like a parody of a ridiculous cop movie. And I with a little, with a little more it. love than your generic parody movie. Yeah, yeah, like a well-made parody that's better than what it's parodying. Yeah, Par- parodying, parrot. <laughs> than what it's making fun of. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What 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 did you like about this movie? Again, I gotta go back to this the visual style. I I think things as simple as Simon Pegg's character moving from London to this small town. Yeah, it's just such a fascinating sequence to watch, and it could have even been something as simple as like you know him grabbing a suitcase, a train goes, and then he's there. But they have like all these different stops along the way. Him listening to phone messages, looking out at just the endless country. Mm-hmm. Uh, funny jokes of him falling asleep at the train station, and then the train horn waking him up later. It's just so good. Just a lot of quick cuts that made for oh. a really, really good sequence. It sure did. And then a really good sequence at the beginning of the movie, which was the not mod- a quick cut, was just the opening scene. Of the doors opening on the the building, and you see, and you see uh, Sergeant Angel walking in from far away. Oh yes, up to the camera, and it's just such a long <laughs> shot of him walking, in just silence. I think they also nailed at the beginning with the kind of montage of who he is. Yeah, that was good. as much as it's like a, a status report of, of who this top cop in London is. We learned so much about him. In even, like, implicit ways. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they tell us that he joined, like, fencing and chess club and stuff. And from that, we learn that, like, everything that he does, he chooses that like, he's going to commit fully and be the best at. Which is stuff that, like, comes into play later. Because that's... Yeah. He's an overachiever. And that's exactly what this town doesn't need. Yeah. And it, it just... A lot of small stuff at the beginning that just makes his character... More understandable. You know so much about him in such a short period of time. It's mm-hmm. really incredible. And with that that sequence as well, the montage showing all these individual things, you're like, oh, that's cool. Oh, that's cool. Oh, that's cool. But they all show up again later. Like he learned fencing. This is yeah. very small, but in the end fight scene of the movie, yeah, one of the townsfolk just has a sword and is fighting him with it. Yeah, <laughs> and you're like, there it is. There it goes. But just. So good. I also think this movie is hilarious. Absolutely. And I think it's the funniest of the three. Absolutely. <laughs> and the jokes are so clever. Yeah. Like uh, when Angel walks into his hotel and the lady behind the counter says, fascist. And he goes, what? And then she explains that it's a crossword clue. <laughs> yeah. And as he's going to his room, he goes, hag. And she goes, excuse me? And he tells her that it's another one of her crossword clues. <laughs> yeah. And then at the end of the movie when they're fighting, she calls him a fascist and he calls her a hag. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. simple, but it's so smart. So good. That's why I love these movies, man. Yeah. Now let's get into some juicy stuff. Nick Frost's character is the best. <laughs> yeah. A guy who's obsessed with action movies and is a police officer because he wants to do all these exciting things that he's seen in Point Break and Bad Boys. Jake Peralta. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's such a fun character. 
yeah. cracking jokes all the time. He's asking questions like, "Have you ever, have you ever jumped through the air shooting both your guns at the same time?" And Angel's just like, "This is the stupidest thing I've ever heard of." Yeah. But then they get to both do it at the end of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Perhaps the best instance is when he's talking about Point Break. Yep. And it starts off with him talking about Keanu Reeves not being able to shoot Swayze, so he shoots his gun in the air and screams. Then we get to watch them later watching Point Break when that scene happens in the movie and Nick Frost is like, oh, so good. Perfect. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> just like, oh, and then the end of the movie and he's laying on the ground and he's watching his dad run away from him and you're like, oh, he's going to do it. <laughs> yeah. He has to do it. And then he shoots his gun and he goes, oh, and fires his gun till there's no more bullets. <laughs> and it's so ridiculous, but it's so funny. <laughs> it's so good. Only for his dad to get in the, the car, drive away, and then find the swan in it. And get slow, Slowly crashes into a tree. <laughs> uh, there were lots of things in this movie. Again, clever on uh, Edgar's part. For just putting in little things here and there that all show up at the end of the movie again. When Angel first shows up to the town and goes to the pub, and he's kicking all the kids out, the, the bartender and uh, the bartender's wife... The other bartender. I don't remember their names. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what do you, what do you, he talks to the, the bartenders and they're like, the, the, the husband says, you know, if they don't drink in here, they'll drink, they'll drink out there. So in my opinion, this is for the greater good. And then the wife responds with the greater good. And you don't really think anything of it, of it other than, well, that was a little weird, but whatever. But then that shows up at the end when they all just keep saying the greater good. And that happens throughout the movie. Someone will just say greater good and then everyone will repeat it. And you're like, well, that's weird. <laughs> yeah, which leads to another joke that I found hilarious when we discover that uh, the Neighborhood Watch Association has been, you know, surveilling the community and getting rid of unsavory characters in mm-hmm. creative ways. But they refer to themselves as the NWA, which is an acronym for something else that I'm not going to say on this podcast. But it's the it's the group of musicians, including Ice Cube and Dr. Dre. Uh, if you want to look up what it means on the internet, you'll find out what it means, and you'll find out why it's so funny that they've called themselves this because yeah. it doesn't that name does not fit <laughs> no. these guys at all. <laughs> Yeah. And it's just such a, it's so small, and I'm going to keep saying this, it's so simple, but so clever, and so, so funny. The, another thing with the Neighborhood Watch Alliance is, they're having the meeting at the beginning of the movie, and uh, Sergeant Angel is going around, you know, greeting everybody, like, oh, how's it going, how's it going, you know, whatever. Uh, and the farmer goes to him, he's like, oh, I, I hear you're quite the marksman, uh, perhaps you'd like to join us for a shoot someday. You're like, oh, I'm there. he's just being friendly, I guess. But... He does, in fact, join them for a shoot at the end of the movie. He sure does. <laughs> and he is uh, quite the marksman, we find is, out. Yeah. Oh, a really clever line that I didn't notice the first time I watched it, but I watched it again after we watched it. And there's the church event, and right at the beginning of the church event, it starts with the inspector on the announcement. He's going, someone's in for a surprise at 3 o'clock. Yeah. And then, which is the journalist messenger, 
which is messenger uh talking to angel and he's like let's meet at behind the church at three o'clock and he's there at three o'clock and he is brutally murdered at three o'clock as well so he was indeed in for a surprise <laughs> uh it's good how, how did how did you feel about the murders that occur in this movie which one was your favorite because they were very fun <sighs> which one was my favorite not that not the murder is fun but yeah. in this movie it was fun <laughs> <laughs> um my favorite murder was it feels weird saying <laughs> <laughs> Well, my favorite one would probably be the... I've caught you off guard. <laughs> is it a murder? Does this count? When, at the end of the movie, when the guy shows up, when they're all celebrating in the, the police station... <laughs> I'll allow it. ...and shoots the, the gun, and Butterman uh, jumps in front and gets shot, and then he falls back and the whole thing explodes. <laughs> Does that count? If not, then probably Messenger was murdered just because it caught me by surprise. It was so brutal. The piece of the castle falls on his head and it just pop. <laughs> and then he like continues standing with the piece of castle on until he falls over. Yeah. <laughs> My you favorite. You see the one guy go, oh. <laughs> My favorite is when they blow the guy up in his own house, but the the setup happens as Danny and and Angel are watching action movies, oh, yeah. and they mention a few things, just a couple lines, like "Oh, you're pulling my leg," and it cuts to the murderer dragging the body by the legs. Yeah, or when it when it starts, the the murderer hits the guy on the top of the head, and he falls down, and it quickly cuts to. Angel the two of them sitting on the couch. On the couch. Yeah. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. I also love that the reason for murdering him was that they didn't like the way his house looked because it didn't <laughs> match the aesthetic. Yeah. Gosh, there were some petty reasons for murdering those people. All of them? Yeah. <laughs> he put writing mistakes in the newspaper, so he dropped a piece of church on him. The finale of this movie, <laughs> which is, it, I feel like it happens in two parts. There's the, the fight that happens in the... Oh, maybe three parts. There's the kind of the part kind that of. happens in the town square there. Then the segment that happens in the grocery store, which is hilarious. They're all hilarious. They're all good. And then the segment that happens in the, the miniature town. That was my favorite fight. Oh, that was <laughs> so good. So I watch a lot of uh, Ultraman and everything, which is, you know, dudes in suits fighting in miniature cities and made to look like... You know, they're giant, and so they're slow. Yeah. Not. This is shot just like that. <laughs> and even there's, like, shots of the, the water raining down on them. Yeah. And they're just slow motion hitting each other at some of the shots in the miniature city. Yeah. Did you so love that good. scene? I guess it didn't end with it, but the fight with Timothy Dalton's character ended with him tripping and putting the spike of a, a building right through the bottom of his chin and out his mouth. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> it's good. So silly. Uh, yeah. What I what I thought was particularly hilarious about the the grocery store fight was that uh the butchers hit a can of uh Bolognese <laughs> and it goes all over someone's face and they're like, Oh my gosh, oh no I just don't worry. It's just sauce and they they keep fighting. 
or when they, they keep be, throwing cutlery. Yeah, <laughs> when they uh, when they make the battering ram out of the shopping carts, and it takes them a full forty five seconds of running before they hit the thing, <laughs> and they just crash into it. And the other guys like, oh, the guys behind the the glass are like, oh, I guess this is it now. Yeah, and they're like, yeah, high fives, <laughs> we did it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. See, there's a thing in movies where you can do a joke for too long. This is not the case of that. No. I feel like maybe two more seconds it would have been too long, but they just nailed the perfect amount of it being funny because it was so long, but just yeah. long enough. Oh, it was good. Speaking of fights that are good, that I already talked about, but I had one more detail to add. <laughs> so I'm going to go back to the, the miniature city for a fight, for the miniature city fight for a second. They also fight exactly like the Ultraman shows. Because it's more of a wrestling match at times. Yeah. An actual fight. You see them put their arms on each other's shoulders and kind of like try and moving each other off. I'm like, so good. Yeah, that was a surprise. I like that. You were you were giggling pretty good. That was <laughs> the whole awesome. Time. That was awesome. Talking about the fence scene. It was... it, this is the best one. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Rachel's like, what, you never take a shortcut before? And he's doing, like, flips over the fences and stuff, and you're like, wow, this is actually pretty impressive. Like, he did it. He didn't do it in the last movie. Yeah. <laughs> and then the music pumps up for Danny right towards it, just falls right through the fence. Yeah. And Perfect. Then hobbles over the next fence. <laughs> oh, what oh. a good gag. So good. And the movie characters keep saying, oh, people have accidents every day. You kind of don't think anything of it other than, again, oh, this is weird that we keep bringing this up, but oh well, I guess. <laughs> and there's one point uh, when they say that the the girl just tripped and fell on her own shears. They're like, oh, this is no big deal, you know? Um, a guy fell on his pitchfork last week. It's fine. I didn't really hear that line because I was just paying attention to other stuff but the second time i noticed I'm like oh yeah <laughs> look at that <laughs> yeah which of course then leads to when angel goes to the the meeting and then falls underground and the movie just gets super dark for a minute <laughs> and he sees the dead bodies, the bodies of everybody that they've murdered and there's the kid from earlier in the movie you're like oh gosh and then the I movie love, goes back to being funny. <laughs> I love how upset they were at the, the living statue. That was just the most disgusting thing that these people could have ever conceived. Yeah. All right. Talking about the final act. Yeah. I'll just say this really quickly about Edgar Wright. All of his movies have really fun final acts. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> they're, all, they're, they're all good for the whole movie. And then the final act hits you and you're like, oh, that was awesome. That was a good time. And another thing that he does that, again, has been done in so many other things, which is so much better when he does it, is the sideways jump while rapidly firing pistols in both hands and yelling. Happened in so much. And it's been parodied so much. But this one was the best. (laughs) (laughs) So funny. So good. One of the best moments that we had watching the movies when you were introduced to the the other police officers in the town. And I went, oh my gosh, is that Olivia Coleman? <laughs> yeah. Who, for the past 
five or six years i've only seen in like art projects that are like very serious very yeah very mellow like like the favorite where we recently saw her in empire of light where she plays you know very serious character the father yep that as well and in this she's just a goofball yeah. and i couldn't i couldn't believe it was her and i had totally <laughs> forgotten that she was in this movie mm-hmm. probably because she wasn't on my radar the last time i watched it but all those other cops are pretty funny the one guy who kind of has like a squinchy face oh, that yeah. sounds maybe a little rude but you knew what i was saying yeah he's in an episode of the it crowd where he plays a french <laughs> it tech support and his accent is so strong that the character can't understand what he's saying and that's all i could think of the whole time <laughs> and it he's just funny to watch <laughs> yeah what's your favorite part about hot fuzz a favorite thing about hot fuzz i should say you already asked that I asked that for Shaun of the Dead. Did you? I opened this with saying, oh, what yeah, do you, you love? did. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite thing about Hot Fuzz? My favorite thing about Hot Fuzz is the miniature city fight scene. Nice. And not just that, but that whole sequence, including Danny doing the point break scene yeah. with the gun. That's my favorite little moment in the entire movie, <laughs> but just everything surrounding that was awesome. What about you? I really enjoyed uh, how all these old people are so sinister and how like <laughs> these senior citizens are like actively murdering people in their town <laughs> so they can win the best town award. Yeah. It, it seems like it makes no sense. And it, <laughs> it comes to full fruition in the final fight in the town center. They were like, the guy with the big jacket opens up his jacket. He's got like two guns. There's a sniper out the hotel yeah. window. The girl on the bike the opens up the, the basket. Yeah. <laughs> the priest has like <laughs> the guns that shoot out of his out uh, of his sleeves. sleeves. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Just the whole concept of that is just so funny to me. Yeah. Excellent movie. So good. And definitely our favorite. Yeah, by far. Oh, Shaun yeah. of the Dead is really good too, though. But based on hot, that comment, I'm, I'm going to say that we're. Moving on to your least favorite of the three. Now, yeah, <laughs> as we begin to talk about The World's End, I feel like we should clarify one thing. That going into this movie, which you've only seen once a couple days ago, you hadn't watched a trailer and didn't know what it was going to be about. Yeah. So when... Well, I didn't know anything about this movie. I didn't know anything whatsoever. Uh, the only thing I knew was... A slight image of a poster because after I watched Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz, I, I ordered a Blu-ray three-pack yeah. and it had it on it. So I saw dudes with glowing eyes, which was like, okay, so it's going to be like sci-fi maybe, you know? And then when the movie starts and they're doing this, what the movie is doing, which is not sci-fi at all at the beginning, <laughs> yeah. I was like, maybe it was just... Like a metaphor for something or a joke or something. I don't know. And then I, I completely forgot about it. That was the, the craziest moment when uh, Gary is fighting a random teenager in the bathroom. And he just slams his head on the urinal and it pops off like a Barbie doll. And, and your eyes liquid everywhere. Your <laughs> eyes went so wide and you were like, what? <laughs> well, the thing is, I was like, all right, you know what? During this movie... I'm going to take some notes of things that I find interesting. All right. I have two notes written for this movie. I'll go through these notes first. All right. 
So one note I wrote was I really liked the editing and, you know, setup of the, the four beers and one tap water scenes. That's a, that was you such know? a good scene. So good. He's like, we'll have uh, five beers, please. And Andy goes, uh, four beers and one tap water. And Gary goes, goes what? what? <laughs> and then it cuts to the one beer, two beer, three beer, four beer. And you're wondering, like, is he going to do a fifth beer or is he going to be tap water? Did he talk him out of it? And then it goes, tap water. And the beards are shot so, so epically too. Yeah. And the water just feels so lame visually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I had that note written down. Yeah. Because I'm like, that was really cool. And then the next note I wrote down was they get kicked out of the third bar. And after that happens, Gary's really upset because he's like, I need to have a drink at every bar. Yeah. And he sees the picnic table with the three cups that are partially drinking yeah partially drunk partially full partially full with the th- with the three cups that are partially full of beer and you see him drink it i think in the background in the background yeah. while everyone's walking away and then he puts them all down and goes off to meet them but the camera stays on the three the empty three cups glasses. the three empty glasses and then it transitions to a matching shot of three full glasses and them all sitting at the table I wrote that down. I'm like, that was good. That was cool. Yeah. And then he goes to the bathroom and the teenager thing happens. His head goes bye-bye. Blue liquid everywhere. And I I, I don't know what. I was just, what? And I didn't take any more notes for the rest of the movie because I was just in shock of what I was watching. Because even though I thought it was sci-fi before, I kind of threw that out of my mind. I was like, all right, you know, maybe this is a a movie about a guy working through some of his past trauma with his his friends and they're going to keep going on this thing, which I was prepared for. And I'm like, all right, this will be fine, I guess. And I kind of suspected that as they would go through at the bars, they would, you know, maybe get into some trouble, but they would open up with each other more. Yeah. Kind of just a... Well, Martin Freeman certainly opened up when half of his head was removed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, I just... It changed. <laughs> sure did. <sighs> I can't imagine what that would be like not knowing that that was coming. They didn't hide from that at all in the trailers, which I had seen before. I watched it yeah, the first time. I don't know what they were. Were they aliens? Yeah. Yeah, okay. That's what I thought. Yeah, they were alien center to, like convert the planet to like a a planetary alliance type of thing yeah what i think is cool is that you know as much as the movie changes halfway through into this alien invasion subplot the movie is still about these four five friends four of which have you know grown up since high school and have become Mm -hmm. successful in different ways and the one of the one who just never grew up and wanted everything to stay the same and life never got yeah better for him in his own eyes and oh what's crazy is you know everything that's happening and they finally Gary and Andy make it into the world's end the last pub on the on the bar crawl i i don't know about you but i was like oh, Gary should have that last drink yeah. But they keep like smashing it out of his hands and not letting him have it. Yeah. 
and by the time the movie's done, like he d- he never has that drink, and I'm like, oh. like this is crazy because he's definitely like messed up. But there's definitely a part of me that really just wants him to have that closure, yeah, um, that he never gets. But you know, the world changes and he gets to move on. And I like that at the very end of the movie when he goes into the the pub with with the blanks that he orders five tap waters because he's now no longer an alcoholic and he's moved on past that. Yeah. I thought that was really cool and a very bold move to do because it, it would have been so cool just to watch that just that last beer go down, but it doesn't happen. I thought that he was going to get the last beer, right? And yeah. then realize that that was it. And it would be like, oh, I kind of learned that, that maybe that wasn't that important as he thought it was in then have to deal with that. Yep. It's also a cool twist where earlier in the movie, they ask to see Gary's arms because he has a scar on there so that they can prove that he's actually human and not a blank. Mm-hmm. And he, he says, oh, I'm not showing you my arms. And he whacks his head and they're like, okay, it's definitely him. And then when they're in the world's end, his sleeves get pulled down a little bit and you see like bandages from clearly he had cut himself and a, a hospital band with his name on it and you realize that he's been admitted because he's been so miserable and and just consumed with drugs and alcohol that they put him into an institution which he's now broken out of to get his friends and go on this journey to finish the thing that he couldn't get off his mind yeah and that was a a cool reveal at the end of the movie yeah I that yeah that went past my head yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like what <laughs> really <laughs> Oh, I think I missed that. Anyway, that's okay. <laughs> yeah. But that scene where they're asking to like see scars and stuff from everybody to make sure everyone was not a blank was probably my favorite scene in the movie. It is pretty funny. It, it's pretty funny, but it's also a pretty good scene. Yeah. Yeah. I like that Gary and Andy were yelling at the network so much about how about how they didn't want them to just take over and everything because humans are stubborn and that's the way it is and we're all mess ups and that's fine and how and the network... their system hasn't even worked on other planets so it's definitely not going to work here <laughs> yeah and the network is just like all right we're gonna leave and he's like really yeah <laughs> it's pointless arguing with you <laughs> yeah they just give up i like that that's cool yeah and then the building blows up and they drive away and they looks like maybe they make it out of the explosion but looks like also maybe they don't for a split second in the car and here's what i'm gonna say about all three of these movies there was a point in all three of these movies (laughs) where i totally thought that it could have ended with them all dying and then that just being it yeah because the thing is in a other movie, I'd be like, oh, they're not going to die. It's, there's no way they would leave it that. But I don't know what Edgar's going to do. Sometimes he's unpredictable at the way his stories go, which is at the the world's end was unpredictable for me because I didn't even know anything <laughs> about it. But Shaun of the Dead, they're in the pub and they're being all surrounded and it's getting a little ridiculous. And I'm like, are they actually going to die? And then it just end like that? That would be weird. But I totally thought that he could have done it. Hot Fuzz, the 
the police station explodes with all of them inside and they somehow survive <laughs> <laughs> just completely fine, which I think is pretty funny. Um, yeah. But I was like, oh, well, I and I how- thought the movie was going to cut to credits after that explosion. I completely thought. And Hard Fuss even has a fake out where you see Andy's last, no, not Andy, Danny's last name yeah. on a grave, but it turns out to be his mom's grave yeah. that they're visiting. Which when he was visiting that grave, I'm like, it wasn't exactly what I thought it was going to be, but I thought it was going to be Danny's grave. And then Danny was going to be like, yep, here's my grave. Yeah. You know, he's fine. <laughs> Like in The Winter Soldier with yeah. uh, Nick Fury. But then it was his mom's grave. I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, there you go. And then now the world's end. I thought they were all going to die in that explosion. Again. <laughs> it was and, kind of a cool little epilogue at the end. Yeah. The world without power. Which leads into the Cornetto joke where we see Nick Frost farming. says, yeah. you know what? I can't even think of any processed foods that I miss. And a Cornetto wrapper hits the fence and he, he's like reaching for it. <laughs> yeah. With his mouth. He's like, ah, I'm get it. <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. Oh, actually, you know what I thought was going to happen? I thought before the explosion that they were going to go and they would, you know, get up and it would be all good. And then one of them would ask, well, want anything from the shop? And then they'd all be eating ice cream and the movie yeah. would end. <laughs> I was like, are they going to do that? No, not at all. But And to to also mention, the other thing that we've been mentioning, the fence gag is really good in this movie too. I actually thought that another thing was the fence gag. He jumps over... <laughs> like a bush. A bush. A hedge. I'm like, oh, there's just the eats fence, it. I guess. All right. But then, no, there was an actual one. And then he runs to the fence and the entire fence falls over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that joke. Yeah, that's my favorite joke in <laughs> these movies. Uh, I, I mentioned it earlier, but I, I do think that, especially in this movie, this movie probably has the most interesting dynamic between Peg and Frost, where the characters have like a history and, and there's some bad blood between them, mm-hmm. but there's still a little bit of love in there as well. And that was a, a dynamic that I think played really well throughout the movie as you watch it change moment by moment. Mm-hmm. I love the two of them working together in all three of these movies, but this one I think yeah. was probably the most intriguing of the three. Yeah. Also, not to badmouth this movie, <laughs> because I didn't hate it. In fact, I did like it, and I did think it was good, but just weird, and I don't know what to think. <laughs> Other than that, I think that it wasn't as humorous as the first two. Like, there were some really good jokes. That. Yeah. But I didn't find myself laughing as much. We also spent the second half of the movie with your jaw on the floor. You were in <laughs> shock. <laughs> I was like, what is going on? That's okay. So, Luke, what was your favorite thing about The World's End? My favorite thing about The World's End... That is a good question. I don't know what my favorite thing would be about it because I don't really know what I can say was oh that was really good. The fence joke. I like the fence. <laughs> <laughs> I uh watching this I I kind of watch it with a new set of eyes watching it with you, knowing that you knew nothing about it. And I think it's pretty interesting how subtle and and like there's 
barely anything hinting towards the fact that the town's been replaced by aliens until the guy's head pops off. Yeah. And I think they played that really well. They did. Where you wouldn't have guessed that to watch it the first time not knowing anything, even if you were, like, super sleuth. You wouldn't be thinking, these guys have all been replaced by aliens. Yeah. Or the, the and it makes for a shocking moment when the guy's head pops off. Evan and you going, whoa! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, he hits his head like on the bottom of the urinal. Yeah. And if this movie wasn't about robots and aliens, that would have been devastating for that teenager. <laughs> <laughs> would not be okay <laughs> you make uh, a very valid point yeah there's but, one more thing that i think is pretty cool that happens in all these movies i don't know if you notice this or not but in all of them edgar's this thing where he'll have someone or something kind of wipe across the screen mm-hmm. and that's how they'll transition between shots yeah and sometimes it's like it's like a star wars transition but well hidden yeah uh, there's a like a scene in the world's end where all five of them are walking down the sidewalk, but they're doing it very uniform to not oh, yeah. uh, bring attention to themselves. And someone kind of walks across the frame, and it just cuts to the five of them, but like farther away. Yeah, it just makes things look cooler. It does. It's more just... more visually intriguing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I've said it before. I just I love the way these movies look. I think they're shot brilliantly. You know, the humor, where it is, which, you know, as we talked about, it's not throughout the entire movie, but uh, I think the humor works really well. I think the stories are interesting. This is a really good trilogy. And mind you, we're only talking about three of his movies, and I love all of his movies. That I've seen, I agree. Yeah. Maybe maybe a ways down the road we'll do an episode on, on the rest of his movies. Yeah. That'd be exciting. That would be interesting. But I think... Do you have anything else, Ted? No. All right, I think that's it for us then. Talking about this, I hope you guys enjoyed listening to this episode. Come back in two weeks where Luke and I will be discussing Phase 4 of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and our thoughts on each of those projects, beginning with WandaVision and ending with the Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special. Are you excited for that episode, Luke? I am excited for that episode to get my opinions out there, which some of them are not very popular. So I think most of our opinions will not be popular on the <laughs> internet. Yeah. Yeah, thank you for listening. And Luke, why don't you hit us with a send-off? All right. So we're going to be doing a di- different send-off today. <clears throat> I'd like to leave everybody with a question that when you're going about your day tomorrow, I just want you to think about this. Right? Is it true that there's a point on a man's head where if you shoot it, it will blow up? Thanks for listening. Hey, thanks, Luke. And thank you, listener, for listening to this episode. We really do appreciate it. If you want to keep up with us and the show, please feel free to follow us on Twitter, or X, if you will, at Pod Screen Time to see some quick thoughts of ours regarding movies or shows. You can also follow us on Instagram, again, at Pod Screen Time to see when our episodes drop and any extra visuals that we want to show off. You can also catch up with both of us individually on Letterboxd 
to catch our thoughts and reviews on the movies that we watch. You can find me at The Shininator, and you can find Luke at Shin Glassman. If you want to hear more of Luke, feel free to check out his other podcast, Toku Talk Radio, where he discusses tokusatsu and anime with his sister Hannah. And if you want even more of Luke, who can blame you, you can take yourself over to his YouTube channel, Shin Glassman, where you can watch his videos that range from reviews to tier lists. They really are a blast. Links to all these things are in the description of this episode, so head there to find those and stay connected with us. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you again in the next episode.